You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think you have to accept that a lot of what has perhaps been taught is is wrong or is misguided, is, is well-intentioned as it may be. Listen, I mean, I had a friend come from the U.S. Uh, not so long ago, and he was talking about his son who's in high school. The guidance counselor is encouraging him to go into rampant debt to go to university. Um, he's saying, hey, don't worry about paying off your student loans. Don't worry. Just go out and get a car loan. You know, just go out and be in debt. This is the education system. It's not just about thinking globally. It's about everything. They're mm-hmm. teaching people in the West to go into debt, to ruin their financial future, to go into the nine to five uh, cubicle mindset, even as more and more jobs are lower and lower paying uh, in the West and, and jobs are moving overseas in, in many cases. Um, so I, I just think that you have to understand, um, listen, I, I want to be open-minded. It, it's one of those things where I, I can't tell you, you just have to be able to, to do it. And, yeah. and so again, part of why I wrote the book uh, was I wanted people to be able to sit down and not have to read a thousand different articles on a blog but just to have one book that kind of walked them through the potential. People aren't aware of these options. People are just thinking, yeah, offshore banking, that's hiding money. It, it, it doesn't even work anymore, and it's certainly not something that I would recommend. Um, so once you understand what the options are, then you can start to say, all right, what works for me? Living overseas may not work for you, but you know, I can tell you, everyone I know from Australia, they're all making 1% or 2% returns on their real estate. Meanwhile, people I know in the Republic of Georgia are making 13 and 14%. Uh, so why aren't you taking advantage of the best? Um, it's okay. a pretty straightforward concept, but it's hard to wrap around. It's like, well, wait a second. There's things going on in other countries. The first step for, for someone in the United States might be, you know, get your passport. If you don't have a passport, just get your passport and know you can go somewhere else. How you did, how you did. That was the voice of Andrew Henderson. And we had a wide, wide range of conversation. We were talking about how he obtained multiple citizenships. And we spent a lot of time on legal tax reduction for entrepreneurs. You're going to learn a lot about how different countries conduct business, why it's favorable for you to do business in one area than another area, why he's so passionate about preserving his wealth, why he's passionate about building a Nomad 2.0 lifestyle as well as what the next boom markets to invest in could be. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me or him on social media. We're always responsive. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Andrew Henderson. Andrew is the founder of Nomad Capitalist, the world's number one resource for successful people seeking to reduce their business taxes. After becoming a dual citizen and living a life of freedom, 
he teaches his listeners his five magic words. Go where you're treated best. Henderson grew up in Ohio and started several businesses in the United States before leaving for greener pastures overseas. And he has visited and lived in nearly 100 countries, opened bank accounts in four continents, and owned property in six countries. We're going to be talking about a wide-ranging variety of things, whether it's legal tax reductions for entrepreneurship, how to get a uh, second citizenship, cultural lessons from visiting different continents, and the best thing that you can do while learning how to think globally. Welcome to the show, Andrew. It's my pleasure to be with you. Pleasure's mine. I, I mean, even from reading your background, it sounds like you have done a lot <laughs> and you've lived many lifetimes. So I'm very curious as to your early stages of your life. What was it like and how did you know that you wanted to dive into this type of field that, as you say, took you to greener pastures? Well, there were two things that really intrigued me uh, when I was young. Um, one was travel and seeing the world and understanding how people around the world worked. And when you're nine years old, you look at the map, you want to go to these places, you learn about it. You don't really understand. And I think until you go to a lot of countries, you don't really understand. Uh, the other thing was business. Um, what got me into business was, I suppose, um, what gets anyone is just somewhat of a natural thing back before hashtag entrepreneur was cool. Uh, it was not cool to be in business when I was nine and 10 years old. I made a magazine and sold that door to door. I rode my bike up and down the street to offer to help people make websites to sell their house when I did the same for my parents and, and we sold the house through uh, the internet before it was a popular thing and, and eventually started you know my first business in the US at 19. But ultimately two things happened that made me go back to my father's words. And, and I recently talked to him about this. We're gonna put out an interview with him that I did recently where he's like, I don't know that I intended it for it to be this big thing. I was just saying, go where you're treated best. Don't think you have to stay here. Uh, it was having success in business and realizing what a huge tax burden that I had uh, that encouraged me to figure out how to fix that. And then it was also not really feeling like the US was the place for me, wanting to explore, wanting to live other places, feeling like people in other countries were more my, my bag and those two just kind of ended up working their way together eventually. So that was the beginning. And I think like so many things for myself and other entrepreneurs, it just became one thing after another. Learn as you go. Here we are 12 years later. That's interesting because I also read when you were younger, you started reading business books at the age of five. Is that correct? I was reading. I was always reading. I guess I was reading at a very young age, probably not five. Um, I remember being in sixth grade and I was reading uh, the Bill Gates book. I guess it was The Road Ahead. And that was kind of tech and business. And that interested me. Uh, and then probably 13, 14, started reading a lot of different business books. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Because the reason I brought that up is because you said the two things that fascinated you were you're always curious about travel. Uh, as a kid, you, you know, you're like, what's happening? What's the other part of the world? And then you said, you know, business was the other thing. And um, obviously the tax implications of what happens when you have a business that's sort of all of a sudden making money. And you're like, oh, I have to pay maybe half of my money <laughs> to the government. What can I do uh, to make this better? But when you say you're curious about the world, I'm Nigerian and I spent a lot of my time outside on four different continents before I came here for school. My experience wasn't um, what you expressed, actually, because a lot of people, 
didn't know as much about the world when I came here. So I'm cu- I'm curious as to how you did. Um, I think a lot of people used to um, be fascinated that an African could speak uh, English the way that I could or that. You Funny know. thing about those Nigerians, right, that speak English. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, obviously some people have negative stereotypes about Nigerians and things like that. So. Uh, was it intentional on your parents' part to make you curious about the world or was it just your city or something? Because I've traveled a lot as well and it's been interesting sometimes when I meet um, Americans in different parts of the world. Uh, I guess everybody's always almost wanting to start arguing on me that I'm, uh, no, you're not Nigerian. (laughs) So I'm just curious, how did you get that curious about travel at that early age? Yeah, well, in your, just a minute ago, you mentioned the tax thing. Uh, you know, I was also into studying libertarian philosophy and taxes are too high and all that when I was 14. I think that <laughs> these two dovetail well because when you're not actually paying the tax, you're just whining about the tax. It's a lot different than like, holy cow, I just sent 100 grand in for the year and I'm like 23 years old. It's like, <laughs> it's a lot better when it's happening. And the same thing goes for, I think, understanding cultures. I, I was fortunate growing up in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, that I went, I suppose, somewhat by happenstance uh, to school. I was in a, a you know, the advanced class, and so I suppose my classmates were um, a bit more worldly. Um, yeah, they, they weren't all traveling. I think some of them were, um, and they were from different socioeconomic stratas, uh, so some of them were traveling and, and others were not, but it, there was always this idea that that our parents expected us to learn and to read stuff and to be aware of the world around us. And and part of that was other cultures. I, I guess the first thing uh, that I can remember at least was being seven or eight and, and doing a big project on, on the Norwegian part of my heritage and what's going on in Norway. And so I think that in my circle, it was just, it was those kind of parents that were just saying, listen, you better know what's going on. Right. Right. And for those listening, I, I want you to take a point from what, Andrew just said, just starting with yourself and being curious about your cultural heritage. Everybody has some sort of culture, whether it's learning about your background, your grandparents' background, and how they migrated or what the cultural customs are. That type of habit allows you to uh, foster curiosity and the curiosity of, of understanding or elevating your cultural awareness, which then sort of gets you to separate from an ethnocentric point of view. So Andrew just touched on something that's really important there. Another thing that I would be curious about would be now you you have dual, I guess, dual citizenship and you have bank accounts in four different continents and you own property in six countries. What have you learned? You know, what are some of the cultural lessons that you can share from visiting every continent? Well, multiple citizenships and, and, and that's being down one uh, as well. Um, so many lessons. Um, the unfortunate lesson that comes to mind to, to what you speak about is there's there's a lot of progress to be made in, in places around the world. I mean, you mentioned uh, Nigeria. I mean, there are a lot of stereotypes around the world. And I will say, um, you know, certainly there's there's work to be done in any culture, including the U.S. Every country, in a sense, is the same, but every country is different. And I've talked for the longest time about culture. I know certain people talk about demographics, certain people talk about different financial metrics. For me, it's all about culture. And uh, there are a lot of countries where the culture is, you know what, we don't want to be successful. It doesn't matter to us. We're not in any rush. We're just going to do things our way. Uh, Growing up in a culture like the United States, 
Um, there are a lot of countries that are extremely insular and you wonder why aren't they taking the best of all worlds? Why aren't they, they don't want to, um, they're happy being where they are. The goal of every country is not to become rich. Uh, the goal of, of every country is not to become uh, global. Um, and we have this idea that every country is just the United States, but, but different in some kind of you know, superficial ways. And that's not the case, uh, you really need to adapt. And this is continuing. I mean, I, I have these existential conversations with people who, who are my friends all the time about what does it mean to be a Westerner? What does it mean to be a traveler? What does it mean? Um, I think that, that the Anglo world, uh, is a rather unique place to come from, uh, and that a lot of the rest of the world does things very differently. Well, can you, can you explain? Because what struck me there is you're saying not, not every country wants to be rich or to be to improve in that uh, financial manner. So what do you mean by that? Well, obviously, there are people who stand out in any culture, so I don't want to, to paint with a broad brush. But I mean, let's, for example, I spend my summers in Montenegro. Workday in Montenegro for a lot of people is 10 to 3. You know, we went to a um, we were there in April. Um, this last year at my house and, um, my, my, uh, then girlfriend and I, and, um, we went to the, we wanted to go to the supermarket near our house and it's, it's like, Oh, okay. The hours are nine to noon. Uh, and then we show up at 1130 and they're like, well, what are you doing here? Like we're, we're closing up, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, two and a half hours a day. And if you say, well, Hey, you know, listen, I mean, you guys have smart people, you're well-educated, you know, why don't you work harder? You can become successful. Like, Hey, you know, we got the C, we got what we need. Like, listen, we just like hanging out with other people like us, you know, we'll travel around Europe occasionally. We don't want to go to Asia. We don't want to go to Colombia. So is that everybody? Of course not. I've, I've have some friends who are Montenegrin who are, you know, they work their faces off, but, but as a culture, as a country, as the, at the government level, having met people high up in the government, their goal was not to you know, take over. Their goal was just to ensure quality of life for their people. I think that's the case in a lot of places. I think even I would take it one step further. I mean, I'm the nomad capitalist. And I would say, you know, not every culture perhaps needs capitalism in the sense that there are people who are living on a subsistence basis who would, I think, be greatly hurt by getting to the system where it's, it's a monetary system. I think that yeah. they're probably better off doing what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I think everyone should define what works for them and where they're most competitive. I think yeah. that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a, what's a fit for us, but also then understanding, yeah. Hey, listen, we have a global economy. Yeah. You know, if we're good. doing nine to three, we're not competing with Singapore. Oh yeah. Different time zones and things like that. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I love getting into discussions like this with them. Cause especially you said you like having esoteric discussions, but so we're in a time here, especially in America, for example, or England and things like that, where you have Brexit going on, or maybe <laughs> depending on what they, they are able to decide. And here we have, um, you know, someone like AOC, um, you know, uh, Cortez, who describes herself as a socialist, but she's in Congress. And and I guess Bernie just decided to put his hat in the ring. There are many people with competing ideologies, basically, on what they feel like uh, can influence the West now. Well, typically the West has always been capitalist. So I'm always curious about whether some people are trying to adopt different ideas, like, I don't know, Scandinavia, social, uh, um, how, you know, uh, they implemented socialism into the West. And if you feel like that would work, 
So that's why I was asking that question, because sometimes mm-hmm. I think some people think that they can just translate different systems into different continents without actually understanding the context and the landscape. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's very important. And I, again, yeah, everyone has different um, yeah. uh, different goals. I'll say this. Um, I've realized over the process of, of doing Nomad Capitalist um, and, and early on being somewhat philosophical. I, I'm not really a philosophical. I, I, I enjoy the philosophy. Right. Uh, I'm a pragmatist. And I was talking to someone um, just the other day about um, how – Anytime I invest in the United States, I, I have problems. It's stressful. It's annoying. And yet all the things that I have trouble with in the U.S. Uh, or had trouble with in the U.S., I go overseas and it's so much easier for me. And so as much as there's a part of me that says that culture I was born in, uh, I wanted to work, I ultimately walked away from it because I have to live in reality. I have to live in the reality that it just doesn't serve um, somebody like me. And so I think that uh, you probably are going to see higher tax rates in a lot of these countries. I think, again, that that's what people want. And you have a democratic uh, system in these countries. And, you know, listen, the, the challenge of that is in this kind of globalized world where salaries are getting pushed down because people like me decide to push salaries up in countries like Serbia, um, that people are going to 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 move towards that kind of stuff. And, and people are, and people who are affluent are going to have to decide if they want to be part of it. You know, I love that. I'm going to get back to taxes, but I want you to just talk a little bit about nomad capitalists and why you feel like it serves you better to uh, to live abroad, uh, because I think that would segue into the tax question that I have. Well, I also I openly decided that that being a U.S. citizen didn't serve me, and I think that on a personal level, I feel much more comfortable with it. I I don't I no longer have to struggle with this is a place that doesn't really reflect who I am and my values and and where I want my money to go and what I feel, uh, is home. Um, but I had to walk away from that because I, I just see kind of what you're talking about, what my father talked about 25 years ago as being coming that people like me, um, and people like the people I work with are, are falling out of favor, uh, in the West. It is not fashionable to be successful. Uh, people, even for me, oh, Andrew inherited his money. I inherited $0. I was given $0. I got no investment from anybody. What I got was a lesson in how to work your face off. And I think people are so blind to that these days. I ultimately just decided that, you know, where I'm at right now in Malaysia, people have a lot more respect for um, hard work. They stay out of your business. Um, There's, uh, it's not perfect, but it more aligns with just what I want out uh, out of life. I don't, you know, I look at the United States today in the era of Trump, I feel like everyone is at each other's throats. Mm. And I, I, I'm constantly filtering it out. I, um, it's just not what I want in my life. I, I want to be running towards something. And I feel like so many things in the West today are about running away from something. Hmm. So are you familiar with who Rutger uh, Berman is? I'm not. R- R- so Rutger Bregman, rather. Um, so he was at um, Davos, uh, and he was talking about uh, the, I guess, what you call the elite and especially people avoiding paying taxes and especially how I guess he's saying there's a utopia for for businesses and um, his point was a lot of enterprises in America are sort of funded by billionaires and uh, they end up not paying as much and I guess he was irritated with the fact that people weren't talking about how taxes uh, tax evasion is, is a big thing that people it's a big problem in the world so 
when you say that the system sometimes in the West or maybe America is set up against a lot of you know people that are, are successful, is does that um, I guess how does that how, do, how does one explain that to the middle class uh, in, in America during election season? Because I'm always trying to understand these points when people bring them up in debates because everyone is always saying that the tax system is against them. So help me understand. Right. Because I never well, know what to believe. <laughs> let me just be clear. I mean, what we talk about at Nomad Capitalist is legal, and we take advantage of, of course. things that are made. Listen, I don't make the laws. And so if people want to complain, go and complain to the government. I find the legal ways to do it. Uh, and I, I view it as shopping. I mean, people put in a lot of effort to figure out uh, you know, how to save money on their next car wash. Yet they never put any thought into thinking, well, am I getting screwed on taxes? Now, if you're half of the people in the United States, you're not getting screwed on taxes because you're not paying any. You're paying zero federal income tax. You're paying payroll taxes only, which ostensibly you'll get a benefit for in the future through the form of Social Security, Medicare, et cetera. Um, and so I think what people conflate is this mm -hmm. uber elite, you know, the Jeff Bezos who goes right. and, you know, they dangle the carrot in front of a bunch of cities and make them scrap like dogs. Um I think that's the uber elite, but there's this, there's the people like me who are uh, the millionaires, the multimillionaires, the, you know, the maybe decamillionaires, um, who they work for it. Um, and I'm not saying that Jeff Bezos hasn't, uh, but uh, they're just running small businesses and listen, look at the tax code under Trump tax reform. Terrible for people who are living overseas as U S citizens, absolutely terrible in an effort to get Apple. The U.S. government went against their own citizens to where you have people in the U.K. who are paying, you know, 60 percent or plus tax rates now because they have to pay under the U.S., they have to pay under the U.K., and then they have a complex situation to figure out even filing their tax. Um, here's my view, plain and simple. Um, if you get to shop for, you know, $2 discount on your next car wash, I, as someone who has paid multiple six figures in, you know, in taxes in, in a year, and, and I guess we'll be paying a lot more now. Um, I get to shop on, on that. And there are countries mm -hmm. around the world that say, if you want to come and live here and hire here and do business here, we'll give you a better deal. Right. And so listen, my entire life, I've been surrounded by people, um, you know, in my father's office and you know, my father was on the radio, it's a side hustle. Um, and he would talk about the people who would come in. There was, there was a guy who's become pretty successful on, on this radio station he was on in uh, Cleveland. And the guy, when he was just starting out, was always whining about the rich fat cats. Well, now he is one of the quote unquote rich fat cats. <laughs> and, stuff, and now he's complaining how everyone's paying. So you know, what, my answer to yeah. what would you tell the middle class is I wouldn't tell them anything because right. I'm not saying that I don't, you know, appreciate where they're at. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't have a response. I do what's best for me. They do what's best for them. The answer that they should do what's best for them, half of the country pays zero. And yet I should also do what's best for them. I hope that it works out for them very well, but the challenge is they may not be able to adapt in many cases to the changing economy, which benefits them in many ways, but also hurts them. And so with the changing economy, with dozens of new countries opened up that weren't open for business 20 years ago, I can go and take advantage and figure out where do I. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I want to be treated best. And listen... If you, you know, I'm not living in the United States and using social services. Even when I was a U.S. citizen, the last four and a half years of me being a U.S. citizen, I spent a grand total of six days there. Right. So what's, what services am I benefiting from that I'm not paying for? Which taxes am I dodging? Meanwhile, in Malaysia, um, I don't have a tax obligation. Even if I did, I wouldn't actually pay any tax. But yet, meanwhile, we did a calculation. I actually pay more in sales tax by a factor of many factors, many multiples, uh, than the average Malaysian pays in income tax. So this idea that I'm contributing nothing is wrong. What Malaysia said was, we want people like Andrew who aren't going to bother getting into our labor pool to come and spend a lot of money, and we'll benefit that way. Yeah. And I don't quite frankly what's wrong with that, but I also don't expect the middle class or the average person working in a cubicle to understand. That's, that's interesting. So you describe yourself as a libertarian, right? I I, I share um, very limited government views. I don't think that government does a lot of good. I, I I'm open. I'm agnostic to the fact that as as someone who cares about the environment and things like that, perhaps there's some limited role. But I, I don't define myself by these political terms um, right. because I think so many people who define themselves that way are very poor communicators of the message. No, no. I mean, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I want to I want to use a chance to explain to the audience, uh, like, so a libertarian leaning uh, person normally advocates for a high degree of uh, both personal and economic liberty. So when you're hearing Andrew talk, um, a lot of what he's advocating for is freedom and economic matters. Uh, so that can sometimes be, well, actually, a lot of times actually in favor of lowering or sometimes uh, some people want to eliminate taxes or the regulation of businesses. So I just want the audience to understand that. But um, th that sort of gives the context for a lot of what I'm saying to how can people listen to you right now who are saying, yes, Andrew, yes, Andrew, who are the type of people that can then work with you? What is Nomad Capitalist? Well, I mean, we provide a lot of information. I mean, we wrote a book, uh, which you can get on Amazon, put out, I'm putting out a masterclass basically on YouTube right now. I'm gonna, gonna be up to, um, seven or 800 videos by the end of this year teaching people about all this offshore stuff. But what it is, is how to diversify your finances, uh, how to diversify your personal residence and citizenship portfolio, and how to diversify your investments so that you can go where you're treated best. And so what I do uh, and what my team of about a dozen people does uh, is help people who are successful, who are the six and seven figure and eight figure entrepreneurs figure out, okay, what is the legal tax strategy? Because it's confusing. Um, there are a lot of minefields out there. How do I do it legally? I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to you know, break any laws or do anything unethical. How do I do it? Where do I need to spend my time? 
Um, you know, you're not going to be offshore and live in the United States. Uh, you're just not. I mean, so this idea that people are hiding money, that's not what it is. So we're basically helping people create holistic plans that figure out where they want to live, how they want to live their best life, what's their citizenship status going to be, um, you know, how are they going to live in the places where they live, where's their money going to be kept. It, it's basically saying that, um, it, you know, the average person, banks, works, has a company, gets married, lives, has a passport from, buys real estate in, you know, sends their kids to school in everything in one country. And what if it's a list of 10 different things? The best one, the best country for each of those things is probably 10 different countries. So let's diversify as much as possible. You don't have to bank in the country you live in. Now you may need to file some forms for tax reasons, like to tell the uh, the U.S. government, hey, I've got a foreign bank account, but you're allowed to have a foreign bank account. And if you can earn higher interest, hold a different currency that you think is more stable, have access to better investments, you know, why, why wouldn't you do that? If you can get a lower tax rate legally, why wouldn't you do that? If you could have a second passport that gave you more freedom, why wouldn't you do that? Uh, I think most people have been strangled by patriotism that their country's best. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, that honestly, uh, that's... That's something I'm seeing a lot now. I mean, I know you said sometimes you you sort of um, uh, limit what you sort of take in with news, but a lot of what's going on in news is like you say, there's this my way versus your way. My way is better than your way, and it's like a very divisive time, which is why I, I do a lot of what I do with the, with the podcast and speaking. And I think the thing that's interesting about you is you're encouraging people to explore other options, and you say what works best for you, essentially. Uh, go away, you're treated best is what is what you uh, that's your those are your five magic words. And that ability to open one's mind, I feel like is something that people still need to work on. So you said that was cultivated in you from an early age. You were just always curious innately. How can people work in their curiosity in a system that sometimes stifles their curiosity? Well, I think you have to except that a lot of what is perhaps been taught is is wrong or is misguided, is, is well-intentioned as it may be. Listen, I mean, I had a friend come from the U.S. Uh, not so long ago, and he was talking about his son who's in high school. The guidance counselor is encouraging him to go into rampant debt to go to university. Um, he's saying, hey, don't worry about paying off your student loans. Don't worry. Just go out and get a car loan. You know, just go out and be in debt. This is the education system. It's not just about thinking globally. It's about everything. They're mm -hmm. teaching people in the West to go into debt, to ruin their financial future, to go into the nine to five uh, cubicle mindset, even as more and more jobs uh, are lower and lower paying uh, in the West and, and jobs are moving overseas in, in many cases. Um, so I, I just think that you have to understand, um, listen, I, I want to be open-minded. It, it's one of those things where I, I can't tell you, you just have to be able to, to do it. And, yeah. and so again, part of why I wrote the book uh, was, I wanted people to be able to sit down and not have to read a thousand different articles on a blog, but just to have one book that kind of walk them through the potential. People aren't aware of these options. People are just thinking, yeah, offshore banking, that's hiding money. It, it, it doesn't even work anymore. And it's certainly not something that I would recommend. Um, so once you understand what the options are, then you can start to say, all right, what works for me? Living overseas may not work for you, but you know, I can tell you, everyone I know from Australia, they're all making 1% or 2% returns on their real estate. Meanwhile, people I know in the Republic of Georgia are making 13 and 14%. Uh, so why aren't you taking advantage of the best? Um, it's okay. a 
pretty straightforward concept, but it's hard to wrap around. It's like, well, wait a second, there's things going on in other countries. The first step for, for someone in the United States might be, you know, get your passport. If you don't have a passport, just get your passport and know you can go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, this stuff isn't taught in schools. I mean, it's not. So the, 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 that has to be a place where people are even open-minded and institutions that we have have to be more open-minded and inclusive, but also adapt to the times. I think, you know, the current education system was as a result of the industrial revolution, especially with the hours and, and stuff like that. But when a digital revolution, which means we can incorporate many aspects of what is considered successful today, whether it's bringing outside speakers or incorporating different types of teachers and making sure that the, the learners' uh, natural, you know, proclivities are also included in the curriculums. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I would concur with that. I think that would be where we can start for sure. Um, another thing that I, I love about you, because I did a lot of research, is you're, you like to invest. So you probably have a good idea. I'm not saying that you have the science down, but I would take, I would trust your word as to where the next boom market to invest in or markets to invest in would be. And what would you say to that? Well, again, I think you have to understand what, what suits you, right? I mean, I've, I've given up on um, having our team study some of the various African markets because I have a hard enough time getting people to go to what I think are relatively stable markets. Um, and so I think that there's a difference between what is the actual number one best boom market and what's the one that's most palatable for you to do. I mean, you know, the, the worst investment, the worst good investment you'll ever make is the one you don't do. Um, so I've been very outspoken about the Republic of Georgia. I think next door now in the last six months, Armenia, which uh, theoretically has um, even better human capital, has started to open up and, and they're um, going through a liberalization as Georgia did uh, you know, earlier this, uh, this century. Uh, I think Colombia, which is technically the number two free market in uh, South America, a lot of still um, stigma about that country um, that makes it, quite frankly, very appealing. I've talked about Cambodia. There's been a stigma there. But, I mean, I've seen, you know, my friends and I have done very, very well in Cambodia um, and actually a relatively free uh, market. So I think those are probably uh, examples of four markets. Listen, there's opportunity in a lot of different places. It is what you make of it. But what I find interesting about these emerging markets is there's a lot less of a science. You just need to get in. Um, so those are four countries that I think are probably not talked about nearly enough. Listen, if everyone's talking about it, if it's on some, you know, some, you know, Chase Bank, you know, list or in some report, it's probably too late. Um, and so I've been beating the drum for most of those places for years now. And I think that there's still a great value. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. The markets you brought up, I, one of my best friends is from Armenia um, and she lives, she goes in and out of here. She talks about Armenia all the time. Uh, and, and, you know, these are markets you don't hear. Colombia is the same sort of thing. My business partner is Colombian. So I do hear a lot about, uh, these type of markets, but, um, when you say it's about, you know, obviously it's about getting in and, and free market, I'm assuming you're saying a lot of these countries are really open to outside investments just because that's how they want to grow. And so it's a good opportunity for people who are looking to, I don't know, I guess, distinguish themselves. <laughs> uh, yep. to get into there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll say, so here's what I'll say. Um, they're good for different reasons. Um, Georgia, for example, I mean, fifth or sixth most free 
and the most easy country to do business. Um, now, where I said everything is the same, but everything's different. Uh, I've spent um, a number of years now in Georgia, and I've made a very, very limited pool of good real estate contacts who actually know what they're doing. And I've seen a lot of people get taken advantage of and overpay and even ripped off. Um, and so you have to take into account how they do business very differently there. It's, it's 180 degrees different in terms of a real estate market for consumers than the United States is. Far more opaque, far less transactional. Um, that said, from a government point of view, once you get past the culture, you can buy a property, you'll own it tomorrow, it's gonna cost you about $19 to put it in your name, there's no annual property tax if you don't earn an income in Georgia. Um, rental income tax is 5% uh, in Georgia. Um, you know, so, I mean, talk about easy from a government level. Um, but that said, the culture still comes into play. So, um, you know, countries have said, we wanna be open for business. Doesn't mean that everyone in the country has suddenly changed the way that they do business. And so that's where I think the kind of boots on the ground really makes sense. But being aware that that even exists, I think is powerful. To everyone I know in, in, in Long Island, New York, who's paying $15,000 a year property tax, imagine going and investing in a country where there is none. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that's quite the difference. And when you, uh, you talk about getting past the culture, are there like subtleties that people should know about, you know, the unwritten rules if you uh if you will the show up at this time or yeah. handshake or what like what are those nuances because well, i mean yeah go ahead sorry well i mean for example in georgia actually it's a very trusting country people are freaked out um it's one of the safest countries in the world everyone i know is a story of how someone went out of their way to help them super loyal people tremendous people um but again i mean it's a culture number one we're talking and discussing things is important. Negotiations take forever. People back out. It's very emotional. Um, I have one real estate agent who her deals always close, and that is so rare. Most of the time, you'll find people jerking and weaving and bobbing around. Um, wonderful people, but they sell their house once in their life. Right? Right. So they're not going to pay a real estate agent 6%. So that real estate agent's not going to really care. You, you have a bunch of unprofessional real estate agents, by and large, who show up 25 minutes late in cut off jeans to show you a, uh, uh, you know, an apartment. They don't add any value. You've got to know the deal. You don't have Zillow to check anything. You've just got to know the deal. Um, and then there's the whole thing that's different from the U.S. of um, kind of litigation and title and just so many things. And then, by the way, for some of these properties, you literally pay in cash. And I mean, you go and you get $100 bills and you pay a guy <laughs> cash on a barrel. Um, so that's fun. You know, if you, that is definitely fun. I'm I'm imagining you with bags of cash right now and just saying, Hey, I remember the first time talking to my lawyer and, uh, he's like, okay, uh, I've got to get $34,000 out. And I said, like, uh, how am I going to get to the title place? Andrew, do not worry. Other lawyer will go and, um, uh, you will have $34,000, but he is black belt. If someone comes, cha-ta! Wow. No problem. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's, and that's, see that. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. Oh, and for those, uh, Armenia has a very close uh, history with uh, former USSR and Russia. So yeah. I'm sure that's why I, the, the Russian accent was there. I, I, like, I like to educate the audience on, on several parts of the world, but yeah, I'm a nerd, so I study all these things. Um, okay, this, see, I, I, I love the, the, the wide-ranging nature of this interview. So as, as we're wrapping up here, can you express to us what exactly you say a nomad 2.0 lifestyle is? 
Well, I think that, um, you know, there's, to me, freedom is not being defined by labels. Again, you, you talked about libertarian, you talked about a number of different things. I say, you know, you have to be yourself. That's what this is all about. And, and unfortunately, what happens is anytime something reaches critical mass, you've got people defining what it should be. You've got people saying that Medellin, Colombia, or um, Chiang Mai, Thailand, or Barcelona, those are the places where you, you know, if you're a real nomad, you go and live there. Um, what I have been so fortunate to do is I've been studying and, and dipping my toe into this since 2006, 2005, six, six, seven, something like that. Uh, and that was before everyone, anyone really talked about it. I think what Nomad 2.0 is, is we're just going to go back to vast numbers of groups living this global citizen lifestyle, the nomad capitalist lifestyle. I think you're going to see more wealthy people realize that, um, they can do this. And I think that you're going to see people realize they can do it on their own terms. To me, that that's what this is all about. Uh, I I spend a good part of my time in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, not a lot of people who are on this nomad trail who are in Kuala Lumpur because beer is expensive. Uh, apparently, there's something about the dating scene people don't like. But it's one of the most livable cities in the world. And I like kind of having it to myself because I like that contrarian thing going on. And so I think that Nomad 2.0 uh, is going to be people who are more mindful, more aware. I'm not saying people who are doing it now aren't, but it's just going to be defining your own course. And I think you're going to see a lot of wealthy people start to do it when they realize that the Kuala Lumpur's, the Dubai's, the London's, the Mexico cities, the Singapore's, these are all places where you can go and live a great lifestyle. You don't have to go and live in a tent somewhere or in a $200 a month apartment. You can get the tax and the banking and the investment and the business benefits um, without living the way that up until now people have have largely done it fascinating wow okay so then how can people reach out to you and where and what type of uh programs do you have coming up that people can sign up for well nomadcapitalist.com um I, I i i never know the exact number of blogs over the last six years but a thousand and something um youtube nomad capitalist amazon the book nomad capitalist and i think that's probably the best place if someone's just hearing about this for the first time is to go and uh, get the book um, because I tried to put everything that I've talked about along with some stories that explain things um, in the book. And, you know, once they have realized this is something that they can take advantage of, uh, we do offer, you know, a service to help people where we do the holistic planning. It's not just tax. It's not just lifestyle. It's not just passports. It's, you know, how do you create this entire nomad capitalist lifestyle to Keep more of your own buddy, build your wealth faster, and, and create a life of, of personal freedom. Um, that's what I do. I, I try and keep it quiet. Uh, I'm always glad to be on shows like yours. Um, but you know, the, the change I made uh, a number of years ago was, you know, I'm not doing events on the stage anymore. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm just kind of here helping people who want to get it done. And uh, we do that very well, but but certainly I think if someone just wants to kind of figure it out, um, the book and and those other resources would be a great place to start. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely make sure I put that in the show notes. Nomadcapitalist.com. I'll put the links to the to the to the book as well. Um, and he's you know uh, Andrew does a lot. You know he has over fifty one thousand YouTube subscribers. So even if you want to get an insight into uh, kind of what his programs are, what he's about. You can check out his YouTube as well as his blog. So uh, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Last question I have for you is my mission statement reframed as a question. 
So my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. And I always ask my guests how they use their difference to make a difference. So Andrew, how do you use your difference to make a difference? I think the thing that's most important to me um, is giving back and building up other communities. And so the difference that I'm making is helping people not only figure this out for themselves, but I'll tell you that I'm very proud of that. What I'm also proud of is, to your point of cultural inclusion and diversity, is allowing people in other countries to find great jobs and to, to buy into this lifestyle and to do something different in their own country where maybe it's not as well talked about. And so um, between that and, and charitable efforts we have in countries like India, I mean, I think that that's the difference. Um, keeping a lot of my own money that I used to give to the U.S. government um, has allowed me to you know, not only build my own lifestyle, not only build the lifestyle of my team members uh, and those around me, but to give back. And I think that that's been something that has changed my mind. And I try and impart that into everyone I help that, you know, what are we doing to make the world a better place? It's not just about, you know, selfishly hoarding money. Uh, it's about all the opportunities that come with that, both for ourselves and, and for others around us. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds to me like you're, you're expanding people's minds by uh, explaining to them and showing them how they have other options. And so and you're making it a lifestyle as well as, uh, you know. Yeah, that uh, too. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I want people to be aware, like, you know, you, uh, and, and to that point, you know, people have come to me and said, Andrew, I never really felt like I fit in and never, you know, found the kind of people, you know, couldn't find a date or, you know, whatever. And they said, hey, I apply some of your stuff just from a social level. I feel much better now. And so uh, as someone who, um, you know, has had, uh, you know, things happen in my family that are very sad. And, and I wish, you know, those people would have understood that they had options. Um, it, it feels nice to tell people you have options. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, Andrew, I just want to, I want to thank you for educating us. This was a very, very interesting educational episode because, uh, there were a lot of things that I was, wasn't aware of, especially with the tax implications. Uh, and I, I love the fact that you were, you know, able to sort of ex uh, walk us through that and um, talk to us about the, the importance of not being happy with, with, you know, or being proud rather of saying, I want to keep most of my wealth and that not being this, this uh, stereotypical uh, thing that means that you're, I guess, a selfish person in, in a penthouse that doesn't care about the world. So I uh, appreciate that and I appreciate you exposing us to a new way of living. Yeah, anything but. My pleasure, man. Great to be with you. Pleasure's mine. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time. Use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.